This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Joe Pag Show. To talk to Joe, call 888-941-PAGS. And now, it's Joe Pags. Yes, indeed, you do. Glad to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Lots going on, lots to get to. It'll be Pastor Greg Laurie at the bottom of the hour. You know who Pastor Laurie? Awesome, internationally known pastor. Also, kind of a rock and roll pastor. Every time I talk to him, we're talking about rock and roll. We'll get into some more Elvis stuff. Why did Elvis burn out so fast? Was it the, those who were hangers-on? Was it because of his own lifestyle? Do you believe that you're God when you're a superstar like that? He has a book out about Lennon and about um, Dylan about Alice Cooper and Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to talk to him at the bottom of the air. Make sure you stick around. We've got LeBron James as an idiot, and uh, we proved that. Well, he proves it again, like he does most days. We'll have that at the bottom of the hour as well. Uh, so, no, actually, we'll have that right after we, we tell you that it is, in fact, Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. Is it significant today, Carrie, that it's a Taco Tuesday after Jill Biden made the taco reference oh, yesterday? probably so, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Taco. I've got my tacos, my radio. Taco. A little salsa, I'm ready. Hold on, where you at? Taco. Oh, I got you. Right, Carrie? No. Come on, let's see your smiley face today. Not during this song. Turn that frown upside down. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Now me and Polo, Taco. we like the hot sauce. Uh-huh. Joe like <laughs> cause he's the boss. That's right. Every time. (laughs) Let's go. Uh huh. That's right. Mike, you got anything? Taco. Nice. Nice. <laughs> right, Carrie? It's pretty good. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, Mike is in for Polo. Sam, of course, is here. That's Carrie Lockie, Chocolate Voice. I got an email after I was in for Hannity last week. You know, you, were you, have you been in for Hannity? Yet? No. I'm not sure. No, I'm not. So I'm in for, for Sean. I call him A, Shawnee. And um, <laughs> why what? do you lie? No, you don't call him Shawnee. You don't know. How do you know? I do know. I just know. Thank you. You told me. So um, I was in for Sean, and then I did my show, and I got an email almost immediately from a lady. So let me ask you this: Why are you so nice to this Linda lady, and you kiss up to her the whole time, and then you get on your show and you're mean to Carrie? <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes, and and please tell us your answer. My answer was, Carrie hates when I'm nice. Hmm, no. In fact, I was, no. I think I was Mellow Joe for a day. I was nice as could be. And what did you say? Well, I said that was really annoying. Uh, what do you mean, really? 
I really support what you're saying right now. That's awesome. You're great. (laughs) Not a whole lot of people like that that either. No, and I don't think they're talking about Mellow Joe just because, and I heard you with Linda, and you were very, very complimentary the whole time. A couple what? of things. I like what? Linda better. And, no, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kid. No, no, no. No, the, the reality is, have you heard Linda speak? Uh, yes, very much a she, New York I accent. She, I, think, yeah. I think she could kick my ass. That's <laughs> the first problem. She probably could, yeah. It's a different relationship. We have a different kind of chemistry. You and I, we have to do this. And if people knew how you instigate all of it, they would understand better. I don't instigate. I do not. In fact, I think Brad would be more of a fan of mine. Oh, no, no, no. the real no. dynamic. No. In what universe? No, that's just not going to happen. In the universe of reality. In the universe of people seeing your messages to me. <laughs> reality. Then, yeah. then people will be like, holy crap, she really is that lady, isn't she? I'm not. But I appreciate I like that email. Good, I, I like think how we said awesome. goodbye to each other yesterday. I thought I that was excellent. Yeah, great. Can we repeat that on the air? No, we'll get in a lot of trouble <laughs> with the FCC. There was, there was more F word in those in those messages to each other. Yeah. And it was, and it was all about have a great oh, night. Be I safe. Know. You know? <laughs> yeah. What a, yes, what it a was f- potty mouth night last night. All right. Uh, let, let's talk about um, um, the, that idiot. That's right. Uh, LeBron James. So a <laughs> couple of things. LeBron James has the life he has because he was given a gift by God. He was given height and talent. He's 6'8", 275, some would say, and uh, is one of the best players to ever play basketball, although he pales in comparison if you ever bring up Michael Jordan. I think he, I don't think he's as good as Kobe Bryant was. But having said that, LeBron James, a, an absolute top 10 list on the NBA all team. The guy's great. He's got, he's got what is it, three championships, something like that, maybe four. Jordan, of course, of course had six, and he stayed on the same team the entire time. And uh, LeBron James keeps moving to where he thinks he can win another one. Having said all of that, when he puts his foot in his mouth when it comes to politics or what's happening um, in current events, it's embarrassing. It just is. You know, he made him, he made that complete mockery of that police officer in, and I guess Columbus, Ohio, um, who killed somebody who was wielding a knife about to kill somebody else, and tweeted out, "You're next." He complained about Trump nonstop, although Trump made his life easier and better with lower regulations, lower taxes. His family had a better life. Uh, The guy doesn't understand anything about anything. He knee-jerk reacts and says things that don't make any sense. Yet when you ask him about China, he never says a word about the horrible treatment of the Uyghurs there. Never says a word about the human rights violations because China means a lot of money to LeBron James. Well, for some reason, and and I think... Carrie, we can't ask Brittany Griner what she thinks, but I think no. Brittany Griner would be like, LeBron, shut up. You know what I mean? I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think that she might even tell him to be quiet on this one. I don't know why he's in this fray. Pro- probably somebody asked him I'm sure. about the situation. But fill us in on what LeBron James had to say about the situation Brittany Griner finds herself in. From Fox News, Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James has weighed in on Brittany Griner's detainment in Russia, making his comments on the trailer for the latest episode of The Shop Uninterrupted. Griner, who pleaded guilty to drug charges last Thursday, has been held in Russia since February after Russian authorities say they found vape cartridges containing hashish oil in her luggage. In the trailer, James appears to be critical of the way the United States has handled Griner's case, questioning whether he would want to come back to America if he was in her shoes. Now, how can she feel like America has her back? James says in the trailer, I'd be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? 
And the full episode is scheduled to run on July 15th, so James's full reaction to Griner's situation is unclear as of yet. Last week, Griner's head coach with the Phoenix Mercury, Vanessa Nygaard, discussed Griner's detainment, saying that if James was being held overseas, he'd already be home. If it was LeBron, if it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? Nygaard said, according to USA Today Sports, it's a statement about the value of women. It's a statement about the value of a black person. It's a statement about the value of a gay person. All those things, we know it, and so that's what hurts a little more. The pressure has mounted on the Biden administration to secure Griner's release over the past several weeks, with Griner writing a letter to President Biden last week asking for the government's help in getting her home quickly. Okay. Let me, let me clarify a couple of things. And then we'll get to the most important part of the story in a second. If LeBron James had been caught with hashish or whatever in the pipe, he would be in jail just like Brittany Griner because Russia and Putin don't care that you're a huge basketball star. Russia and Putin don't care that you, you're not happy with the United States of America. The idea that for some reason, and by the way, Brittany Griner is like the same height as LeBron James. I think she's 6'8 as well. He's not as not as big, obviously, doesn't weigh as much, and doesn't dunk like he does, although she has dunked. But she's not being held because she's a woman. She's not being held because she's black. She's not being held because she's gay. She's being held because she broke the law of the lane where she was, I guess, making money or something. I don't, I don't know what she was doing there. But that's why she's in there. So who's the who's the person who decided to make this about gay and woman and, and black? Her head coach. Who is that? Her, her coach. What a stupid thing to say. And then LeBron James, I mean, this is the real crux of the story. Just correct me if I get this wrong. He's saying that the United States has turned its back on Brittany Griner. And if, if he were in her position, he's not sure he would want to come back. Mm, yeah. Is that, is that what, what he, he said? Says, now, how can she feel like America has her back? James said in the trailer, I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? So this idiot, this Neanderthal, has made the decision that being stuck in a Russian prison for 10 years is better than being in the United States of America. Just really let that permeate your cerebellum. It's, it just rolled out some brain, a big brain word. Mm-hmm. Got it. You see, this is what people need to see. You need to tune in and look at her face when she does this. <laughs> I stuff. can't help it. You start it. How do I start I it? I talk. I use big words. I'm a talk show host. I know Priscilla Presley. Yeah. Man, was I just speaking? That sounded just like me. <laughs> I know, so right? <laughs> I'm Kerry Lucky. See, I sound just like you reading the news. Oh, that's not you know, how I sound do, like. Do you want to do this with me today? No. No, I didn't yeah, start it. Lucky, this lucky, woman lucky. was kind enough to send you I'm an email about it because she realized it too. You know, I, I'm the one that told you about the email. You would never have known about it otherwise. I know. And I, I cannot that. wait to say goodbye to you in messages tonight. That's got to be a good I'm one. <laughs> anyway, so LeBron James, the man who, who makes 50 to 100 million a year, depending on the advertisements and everything else, and, and is just uber rich, will be a billionaire by the time he's done playing a game, who complains about his own country nonstop, thinks it's better in a Russian prison than it is in the United States of America. And the idiotic coach says it's about black, gay, and, uh, and, 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 and female. It doesn't make any sense. And how this person makes a comparison to LeBron James breaking the same law 
blows my mind. They are so small-brained, the people who are commenting in this story, that they actually think Russia is like here. They think that Russia, for some reason, has a this perceived two-tier justice system too. Let's punish the black people. Let's punish the women. Let's punish the gays. Now, that isn't happening here, but they pretend it does. So now they're projecting it over there. Truth to the, to, to the ne'er-do-wells that are in this story. Russia doesn't care what you do for a living. Russia has very stringent laws. She broke the law probably knowingly and got caught. I don't care if she's LeBron James or if she is Brittany Griner or Carrie Lockie. She's going to go to prison. She's going to go face a judge. And she, she pled guilty, by the way. And now she could, she could face 10 years in prison. Which, by the way, when she gets out, she'd be too old to be playing any basketball anymore. So LeBron James, instead of showing support and saying something like, you know, I didn't like the guy very much, but if Donald Trump been in the White House, we might, be, we might have her home by now. Because I truly believe he would have had her home by now. Absolutely. Russia's not afraid of Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden's asked for them to release Brittany Griner. I mean, as much as they virtue signal, as much as they talk about intersectionality in this administration, they would love to have had her at home by now. Carrie, that would be a huge win, right? Absolutely, it would. Yep. They get her home. The left can rally. Look at me. He got the, the, the black gay Biden woman. Did. Yep. Yeah. Got her right out of prison in Russia. Man, he really told Putin. And maybe that's the October surprise. Maybe that's what they're going to wait for right before Election Day for the midterms. You never know. Hmm. They might let her cool her heels in a Russian prison just to try to win some some seats in the House and Senate. And, by the way, she's not the only American being held there. I think he's a contractor, I believe. Um, a man, a white man, I believe. No. He's also being held there. He yes. probably identifies as black female gay. Uh, I don't think so. But yeah, We should ask that UC Berkeley professor. Too. Oh, she, she would know, for sure. Does he have the capability... Of having a child. No. No. You don't no, know. I You're do making know. an assumption. I do know. It is not an assumption. It is a fact. I am not a racist. Transophobe. I am not a transophobe. You're violently speaking. I'm not. <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> 888-941-PAGS. 888-941-7247. JoePags.com. I need your thoughts on this case, on LeBron James' ridiculous comments. I don't see him offering to, to switch places with her if it's so much better in a Russian hmm. prison. I bet they'd take him for her, don't you think? Probably. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, here's what I get for assuming, but I'm going to assume that Brittany Griner wants to come back to America. What? Yeah. I would love it. Well, then why did she write the letter to Biden to try to get him out, to try to get her out? I'm telling you, yeah, she wants out and she wants to come back home. So you're saying she probably would tell LeBron, can you just shut up? <laughs> That's what I would say, yes. Yeah. 100%. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Stay right here. Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with the Joe Pags Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Glad to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Lots going on, lots to do, lots to get to. Uh, bottom of the hour is going to be Pastor Greg Laurie. Make sure you stick around. He's got a brand new book about Lenin, Dylan, Alice, Jesus, spirituality of those who have seen the highest heights. We talk a lot about Elvis in that interview as well. It's a really cool interview. Make sure you stick around for that at the bottom of the hour. But we've got a lot going. I just got this email. It's an important one from Douglas. Uh, Douglas thinks you're great, and that's why it's so important that you're going to talk about his email or what's going on. Did you hack my email? Mm-hmm. I knew it. No, it says, love that version of the Taco Tuesday song. Please pass mm. this on to Carrie. Love the show. Douglas. No, Douglas. No, that's a stupid version. Spelled your name right. That's Did good. he really? Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, still don't like that email because it's a dumb song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. A lot of people want to comment on LeBron James and hitting his foot in his mouth again. Here's the thing. Every human puts their foot in their mouth every once in a while, figuratively. But this guy literally is doing it. And he doesn't even realize it's in there. I'm like, dude, your foot's in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Should but, I read Douglas's email again? No, no, thank you. But no what? Need, no need to. It's all good. You said but. Uh, oh, well, before you interrupted, I was going to say something about LeBron James. Yes, LeBron James. Oh, but uh, here's another thing is that he, I believe he thinks what he's saying is true. What he's saying is right. And everybody should agree with him on that. LeBron James and anybody who has that mindset, I think you're right, Kerry, by the way. Anybody who has that mindset that it would be better in a Russian prison than in America should just go to a Russian prison for a minute or Mm. make it easier on yourself. Go to the southern border and ask people why they're breaking the law to get here if America is so bad. You know, you never really understand or get a good grip of how much we should appreciate America till you talk to somebody who almost died getting here. That's when you realize, holy mackerel, we do have, because they're so completely like cocooned in their little very rich world, people like LeBron James. So when Obama, when he was in office, said something stupid when he was explaining some city in Afghanistan or Iraq, I think it was Afghanistan, and he described it as about the size of Charlotte, North Carolina. He was trying to Americanize Afghanistan, which isn't. So therefore, people who liked Obama were like, oh, well, it's just like Charlotte. Well, it's not. Not even a little bit. Geographically, it might be the same size, but that's it, man. That's where the comparisons stop. So, yeah, I think you're right. LeBron James thinks he's right, thinks he knows. Mm. He doesn't. Let me go to the phone lines. Let me say hello and welcome to line one. It's uh, Vince in California. Vince, what's going on? Hi. Hey, uh, just uh, wanted to follow along your line that if uh, Joe Biden really cared, he'd have Granner out of prison. Uh, Trump, in a parallel, got uh, LiAngelo Ball and two other students, I believe, from UCLA who were caught stealing in China out of a Chinese prison within a month and uh, to no accolades. But uh, Joe Biden just really doesn't care. Well, I mean, she's facing 10 years in prison, and I do think it's a campaign thing, Vince. I think that he's probably holding off, or whoever's handling him is holding off to try to make some sort of political hay out of it. She might get out right before the midterm. Let me go back at it. Uh, Della, Florida, got to go fast. Hey, this is Della. Um, I just wanted to say that Elon Musk has got his stuff wrong. If people don't treat 
Trump wrong, he doesn't treat them wrong. Got you, Della. Appreciate that. Della's probably listening on, de- on delay and hearing our first hour where we talked about Elon Musk and the fact that yeah, he, he won't stop tweeting me now. It's weird. Um, and what? Really? He's still tweeting you? The richest man on the planet. Well, he may not be. He isn't. But I'm living, I'm living rent-free in that head. Let me just put it there. You think so? Hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he knows who you are? No. Think he knows who I am? No. You hate it. You hate it. You have to admit that he does. <laughs> you, you hate that you have I'm to admit. I'm still going to say no. <laughs> he responded to me. Therefore, I'm very tight with Elon Musk now. Okay. That's a stretch. That's a big stretch. You are not. What? You are not. 888-941-PAGS. Very rude to me. This is why we get in those emails like from Douglas. 888-941-PAGS. <laughs> JoePags.com. We've got uh, Pastor Greg Laurie. You're not going to want to miss this after the bottom of the hour. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to have this man back. It is Pastor Greg Laurie. He, of course, the senior pastor at uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship. Pastor, how are you? Good to see you again. Joe, good to be with you. I was in Alabama not long ago shooting a movie, and every time I turned the radio on, there were. So you own Alabama. <laughs> I like that. That's actually pretty awesome. Thank you for telling me about that. Well, it, well, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. I was traveling recently and a commercial came on and it was you. So like, you, you, you own the country. If I got Alabama, I'm pretty happy about that. I'm, I'm working my way up to Greg Laurie status. Um, how have you been? I know that you had some health issues, but you're feeling well now, right? No, I'm good. I just was a little bit sick. I'm a lot better. Thank you for asking. And you look wonderful. The, the name of the book that you've got out now is Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, The Spiritual Biography of Rock and Roll. And I find this to be unbelievably timely. And I don't think you did this on purpose, but maybe it's divine intervention. Because right now, we're having a resurgence of the life of Elvis because of this brand new movie that came out. I'm a huge Elvis fan, have been forever. I actually had Priscilla on the show a few times and, and wow. went to Graceland a few times. And, and just uh, my knowledge of the guy is way too much. Uh, uh, growing up, I was obsessed. He died when I was 11. So when I saw this coming out, I was not thinking I'm going to go watch it. I know his story. I know how he died. I know what he gave into, to be honest with you. But Priscilla and Lisa Marie have said, go see it. Um, and, and I think that your book will align nicely with a younger generation that knows nothing about rock stars, knows nothing about world you know, superstars. Um, these people that, that you outline in your book certainly are very well-known names. But let's compare it to Elvis if we can. We know the guy was used, abused, and burnt out way too young, died at 42, looked like he was 62. Um, and, and here's a guy that lived through excess. And I wonder, the first question has to be, I'm sorry it's a long question, but the first question's got to be, was that excess of his own doing? Was it the people surrounding him? Was it the devil getting in his ear? What do you think that is when you've got somebody who is the biggest star on the planet just disappeared after being in the fray for less than 20 years? Yes. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, Joe. I almost titled the book Elvis, Dylan, <laughs> Alice, and Jesus. And and I do talk quite a bit about Elvis. You know, he was one of the early framers of rock and roll there at Sun Studios, discovered by Sam Phillips, along with Johnny Cash, 
uh, Carl Perkins, yes. Jerry Lee Lewis. And, and, you know, Elvis was so extraordinarily talented. And I have seen the new film. And I think it's an amazing film. And I think that the actor, Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, did a great job capturing Elvis and humanizing him. Yeah. I think, you know, as time has passed, people see Elvis sort of as a caricature, especially the later Elvis, the, the Vegas Elvis in the yes. jumpsuits. But he was a real flesh and blood human being that came from very poor background and was very influenced by by black music and and spiritual revivals and tents and 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 he created a whole new sound that had not been heard before and it changed dramatically after Elvis went to the army so right. coming back to your question i think it's all the above i mean i think we all know that colonel parker who wasn't really a colonel and his name wasn't really parker right. uh, took advantage of elvis he saw elvis potential and he took 50% of what Elvis earned. No manager should take that. Uh, and I think, you know, it was a real mistake, you know, for his career, for Elvis to come out of the army and go do all these not great films and instead of returning to his rocks, his roots as a rock pioneer. I right. mean, the sound of Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, and all those great songs. I mean, that was incredible. He influenced the Beatles. He influenced all of rock music that was to come later. Uh, but then, you know, I think he was surrounded by people that maybe didn't always tell him the truth. I think he was his own worst enemy too. I think these doctors that overprescribed way too much medication for him and he really didn't need. And then in his Vegas residency, kind of isolated from the world. Right. I, I think all these things combined helped to contribute to the ultimate fall of Elvis Presley. It is uh, Pastor Greg Laurie, again, Senior Pastor, Harvest Christian Fellowship. Uh, go and follow him everywhere. He's he's world-renowned, certainly. The brand-new book is called Lennon Dillon, Alice in Jesus, The Spiritual Biography of Rock and Roll. So so what is it about that lifestyle that that allows somebody to to fall into what a Lennon fell into or Dylan or, or Elvis like we're talking about? Is it the hangers-on that know that if they if they tell them, hey, you're going to kill yourself with these drugs or you're going to kill yourself without sleeping, you're going to kill yourself with these excesses, then they'll lose the, what they're living through? Because they're living vicariously through him. They don't want to kill the golden goose, and then the golden goose dies. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, Elvis was the first to really reach that super stardom. There was yeah. only one Elvis. And uh, I think the Beatles, in contrast, they had each other to kind of weather the storm they were going through a Beatlemania, but Elvis was all alone. And no one had ever experienced the global fame as a musician that Elvis had. Frank Sinatra, in his way, had great success, but no one reached the level that Elvis reached right. at the peak of his career. I think as long as you feel like there's another mountain to climb, another thing to conquer that keeps you going, well, Elvis got to the top and he found out there was nothing there. Elvis also had gospel roots right. uh, all the time. And Priscilla, his wife, points this out. I just watched a documentary uh, called The Searcher that tells the story of Elvis. Really right. good documentary. But, you know, she pointed out the fact that Elvis was always searching. And Elvis knew what was true. And his default thing was to turn to gospel music. You know, when the whole 60s culture was happening and the Beatles were at their peak and all these bands were forming, Elvis goes and records a gospel record <laughs> and he returns something? to his, yeah, he returns to his roots. And so that says something about Elvis Presley that he knew the truth. The story is told of when he was in concert and 
some woman came to him with like a cushion with a crown on it to give to the king of rock and roll. And he said, there's there's only one king right. and his name is Jesus. I think, you know, Elvis knew what was true. Elvis knew by returning to those gospel songs, he could find a form of comfort. Right. And did Elvis return to his faith in his later years? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that was always there. And a lot of these rock stars don't have the faith roots of Elvis Presley. A lot of them never were raised in the church or heard these things, but Elvis was very influenced by these things and they stayed with him all through his life till the end. Yeah, I, I hope that he does return to his uh, faith at the end, and I'm pretty sure he does, because from about 1973 until 1977 when he died, he had How Great Thou Art was a feature uh, in his concerts, and the way he sang it had to be Jesus singing through him because it was unbelievable. Uh, nobody's ever touched him like that. It is um, uh, the senior pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Pastor Greg Laurie. We appreciate you stopping by. Harvest.org is the website. The book, okay, so in the book you outline John Lennon, uh, Bob Dylan, Alice Cooper, and and Jesus, of course, um, when they're at their highest heights, do the people that you name in the book and, and even Elvis, as we just spoke about for a while, do they feel invincible? Do they feel as though they are godlike? Do they think that everything, uh, the world is their oyster quite literally and they don't have to turn to a, a higher power? They are their own higher power? I think sometimes they do. But at the peak of his career, John Lennon with the Beatles recorded the song Help. Now that became the title of a film and a song. Right. And it's a very upbeat song, but John said that was a cry for help. He sings, help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, I need someone. Help. Yeah, <laughs> what can right. be cleaner than that? I wonder and what he's trying to say, part. Pastor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was crying for help. And, you know, and, and here's something that people don't know about John Lennon. There was a moment in his life when he made a profession of faith to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, he watched Billy Graham preach on television. He called a number. He, he started talking about his faith. He even recorded two gospel songs that never were put on a record. I had no and, idea. Yeah, and I write about it in, in this book, but it was a short-lived faith. It didn't last long. But, but he did make this profession of faith. So I begin the book by making this statement. There'll be three surprises when we get to heaven. Uh, number one, some of the people we thought would be there won't be there. Number two, some of the people we never thought would be there will be there. Number three, we'll be there. So here's my con uh, thought is, you know, John was tragically shot outside of the apartment building, the Dakota in New right. York City in 1980. And he was alive after he was shot. He was taken to the hospital. The police officer who drove them in his cruiser to the hospital said, do you know who you are? And John said, yes, I'm John Lennon. Did John in the final moments of his life call out to Jesus? I don't know the answer, but let me say this. If he did, his prayer was heard and we'll see him in heaven, just like the thief on the cross that called out to Jesus in the last moments of his life. But, but Alice Cooper, I've got a picture on the back of the book with Alice and I together. I've gotten to know him quite well. I've interviewed him multiple times. And this is a guy that that lived the dream. At one point, Alice Cooper was the number one rock star in the world. Wow. And, and he knew a lot of the people I write about in the book. He knew all the people in the so-called 27 Club, those who died of drug-related causes at 27 or alcohol-related. Hendrix, Jim Morrison of The Doors, Brian Jones of The Rolling Stones, uh, and others. Uh, Amy, uh, He knew them all. Right. And so, you know, Alice lived it, and he was into drugs heavily. 
and almost died using cocaine and God got hold of him and turned his life around. And now Alice has been clean and sober for over 30 years and is still touring and, and is very upfront about his faith in Jesus Christ. Well, thank God he, he had that come to Jesus quite literally. One, one word, just my opinion on John Lennon. It really bothers me that we focus on the song Imagine because the song to me is an atheist anthem. He's literally saying, what if there's no religion? What if there's no heaven, no hell? Well, none of that can possibly be true and us enjoy the faith that we enjoy. So that bothered me. I'm glad to hear that he found Jesus at least for a while. And I hope yeah. you're right about him in the back of the car. When it comes to Alice Cooper, what, what I think, and by the way, it's Pastor Greg Laurie. You saw the book if you're watching. If you're listening, the book is Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, the spiritual biography of rock and roll. And there it is again. Uh, it, it, what's, <laughs> uh, what's interesting about, about Alice Cooper is that when I think of him, I think of raw and mean and nasty, and loud, and he hasn't really been that guy for 30 years. He's still performing. He's still who he is. I think he's a great singer, by the way, and he's certainly a great performer, but the way he used to do it, was that all drug-induced, and was that all because he didn't really have the spirituality yet? I Well, what happened, as Alice explains it, you know, the 60s had come to a close, the 70s were happening, all the kind of hippie stuff was going on. Alice wanted to do something, frankly, to be noticed. Okay. And so he thought, okay, they're doing all the peace and love hippie stuff. I'm going to do the other thing. So Alice shows up on stage with a snake around his neck. He's got right. the makeup of, you know, the, the almost looks like blood coming out of his eyes. And, and, you know, and he has all these props he uses, the guillotine that cuts off. Uh, his head, not his real head, but a, right, a, obviously. A, yeah. a dummy that looks like him. Yeah, yeah, I want to point that out. He didn't Thank cut you. his head off every night. It doesn't work out too well. <laughs> but, it, you know, so it became a shtick. It became a performance. Funny yeah. thing, you know, Alice became friends with a lot of vaudeville guys like Jack Benny and George Burns and Bob Hope. They all loved Alice. And they said, oh, you're doing a vaudeville act. So they kind of got that it was an act. So yeah. now fast forward to the present day. Alice still goes and does these shows where he plays this character, but he removed the dark parts from it. But then when he's not doing that, like he gets up every morning, he says, I, I get my cup of coffee. I read my Bible. I pray. And, you know, he so said, this is a guy who's committed to the Lord. He loves his wife. He has a strong marriage and a great family and does a lot for people around him. So, you know, Alice Cooper has been radically changed by Jesus Christ, but at first, I think it was a way to get attention. Then, unfortunately, he became, in many ways, he became the caricature. Yeah. And, but then he came to faith, and and his life was changed. But he kind of kept playing this role, so to speak. How do you become friends with a guy like Alice Cooper? Because I know you guys are tight. You, you and I have talked about him before. Um, that's a very, I, I don't think of, well, here's the pastor, and here's that guy with the makeup and the blood coming out of his eyes and cutting heads off, figuratively, not real heads. Um, but but how, how, do you, how, does, how do you make that? Does he reach out to you and say, hey, listen, I've got some spiritual questions. Do you just bump shoulders one night and, and end up breaking bread? What happens? Well, what happened in the case of Alice is a, a friend of mine went to one of his shows. My friend's a Christian and a pastor. And he went backstage and was talking to Alice. And Alice said, hey, uh, we're going to pray before the show. Will you join us? So they prayed. And then Alice said, you know, we're not, wherever we are, I always go to church on Sunday. Do you know of a good church to go to? Nice. And my friend said, well, come to our church, Harvest Christian Fellowship. We have a campus in Irvine, California, as well as Riverside, California. So lo and behold, Alice Cooper is sitting in the front row of church the next Sunday. <laughs> He's not wearing his top hat. He doesn't have his cane. There was no snake in sight. Good. He wasn't wearing his makeup. No one even noticed him. 
So then he came up to my office afterwards and we started talking and, and then I interviewed him a little bit later and then we got, became friends after that. And he gave me permission to put his, yeah. you know, face on the cover. I said, look, Alice, I don't, don't want to do it if you don't want me to. And then, you know, we, we took some pictures together. He, he's just a great guy. And people freak out because they think he's like the prince of darkness and, and it's an act. He's, he's just a down to earth, really witty, funny guy but who really has a deep faith in Jesus Christ. And so I came to know him because he showed up at our church. I think that's awesome. It is uh, Pastor Greg Laurie. Go and check him out, harvest.org. Most of you already know who he is. His book is called Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, the spiritual biography of rock and roll. Let me ask you something. And the last question I've got for you, and I appreciate the time today, um, but let me ask you this. And this is off the beaten path, but I think because you've written this book and because you know so many famous people well beyond even who we're talking about and because you've analyzed their spirituality through what they've gone through. In this day and age, from the age of five, children are taught you should probably try to be famous. Go and get famous on the internet. Be, uh, get a viral video. Fame, you should be a Kardashian. And everybody really strives to be this. It didn't used to be this way. It used to be people with special talent like Elvis, like Alice, like Dylan, like, like, like Lennon. They would be the ones that would rise to the top through hard work. And eventually, once they got to the top, they went off the beaten path. And hopefully, they come back spiritu- spiritually. But people aren't being taught about a higher power. They're being taught about the higher power being fame and fortune and recognizability and virality. What would you say to people who are watching and listening who strive for that and don't really understand the work that goes into it and how it should go hand in hand with spirituality somehow? Well, I would quote two celebrities in response. Number one, I would quote Amy Winehouse, who said, faith is like a cancer. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Then Jim Carrey, who said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous and have everything they ever wanted so they could see how empty it is. Okay, so let's go back uh, many years and look at King Solomon. Uh, He was the most famous man of his day, had unparalleled wealth and possessions. He said, it's all empty. It's like chasing the wind. And it's true, Joe, you can become an Insta celebrity. You can become an influencer. You don't even need talent to do that today. But every time, it seems like I, every time I turn around, I read of another influencer that jumped off the balcony of a building or right. took their own life. And these are beautiful people who have it all because it's empty. Really deep down inside, we're looking for God. It's like we have a big hole in our heart and nothing is going to fill that hole apart from God. Not fame, not success, not sex, not drugs, not booze, not even religion. What we're looking for is a relationship with the God who created us and can be known through his son, Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, I illustrate this in this book. There's some cautionary tales of people that made the wrong decisions. And then there's some beautiful stories of redemption uh, that show that no one is beyond the reach of God and the Lord can change anyone. Well, I appreciate uh, your friendship. I appreciate you coming on here and giving us just the, the straight truth about spirituality and some of these biggest stars that we've ever had. I thank you for preaching and bringing the word to so many as you do every single day and every single week. And Greg, anytime you want to come back on, my show is your show, okay? Well, thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate that. Pastor, thanks a million. The book is Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, the spiritual biography of rock and roll by Pastor Greg Laurie. Go to harvest.org, and we're back right after this. Stay here. This is The Joe Pag Show.
We got to get out of here. We appreciate Pastor Greg Laurie. Have a great night for Carrie, for Sam, for Mike. It's Pags. We'll see you later. This is the Joe Pags Show.